This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bible and grab something to write with. We're going to talk about what magnifying Jesus in our church looks like for the year ahead. What does 2020 look like when Hui Kala Baptist Church chooses to magnify Jesus? What does that mean for us personally? What does that mean for us together corporately as a church? If you missed out on this morning's message, you can get caught up on our website uh, and listen to the podcast. Get caught up on that. Don't start off the new year without knowing where we're going with this. But tonight I'm talking to our church family. Uh, most of you were, were here this morning. You're here again on Sunday night because you consider yourself a part of our family, part of our ohana. And so I want to talk to you like family tonight and help you kind of get a grip of uh, where we're going together as a church family this year. Philippians chapter one, starting verse number 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by my life or by my death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We want who we call it to grow this year. Uh, we're not big on things like church growth. If you've uh, ever done any research on churches and things like that, there's a whole church growth industry. You can hire experts that will come in uh, and basically kind of give you a PowerPoint slide deck on ways to grow your church. We're not talking about that when we say we want our church to grow. We're not looking for artificial growth. Hey, look, we could blow the doors off this place next weekend. All we'd have to do is raffle off a Cadillac Escalade and you wouldn't be able to get in the door next weekend. That's not real growth. That's artificial growth. Uh, we could attract people with certain types of events that we have, uh, but that's not true growth. That's artificial growth. True growth takes place first on the inside by the work of the Holy Spirit. And we have to always, always, always remember that. We don't want our church just to grow numerically. We want to grow in Christ's likeness first and foremost. I want everybody that calls this their church home to grow in Christ's likeness in the year 2020. Every single one of us. How can I be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? How can I be more like Jesus next month? What are some tangible ways that I'm gonna do that? What's some areas in my life that God's asking me to take a step up this year to help me to be more like Jesus? Uh, whether it's in my relationships, uh, whether it's in my parenting style, whether it's in my marriage, uh, whether it's in my workplace relationships, uh, whether it's, it's wherever I'm going with this, I wanna grow in Christ's likeness because here's the thing. For our church to grow in Christ's likeness, which I believe every person in this room would say, yes, let's do that. First of all, it has to take individually take place in our own lives. We can't manufacture this on a large scale. It takes every single one of us committed to walking in Christ's likeness this year. We want to grow in knowledge. The Bible says that we should want to grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to know more about the Bible this year. For me as a pastor, no lie, I'm trying to learn more about the Bible. I'm trying to learn more about walking with Jesus. I'm trying to, to grow in my roles as a pastor. I want to be a better pastor to you this year than I was last year. I want to grow in my ability to love and serve my wife. I want to grow in my marriage. I want to grow as a dad this year. I want to be a better dad than I was last year. I kind of feel bad for Thatcher. He came along and he was the guinea pig. Uh, and... Uh, 
he says things all the time, like, I would have never gotten away with that. I would, that would have never happened with me. I think Thatcher was probably almost 17 years old before he got his first cell phone. Uh, and so he's like, and I'm Akili, she's 11. She's like, when am I getting a cell phone? And he's like, I waited until I was 17. You don't need one now either. And so I feel bad for him. He was the guinea pig. But uh, as, I, as I parent longer, I want to parent better. And here's the thing. I've never parented a 25-year-old before, and I want to do well at that. And so I want to continue to grow. And so when we talk about growth, we're not just talking about uh, the number of people that fill up seats on a Sunday morning. We all want to grow together in our knowledge of the Lord. I want, I want you to grow from the Sunday morning and Sunday evening preaching. That's why I'm, I'm really taking a lot of time to, to determine where we're going with our preaching schedule. It'd be easy to just kind of throw something together and, and put together a little something to say on Sunday morning, but I want to help you to grow in your knowledge, your understanding of the Bible, and I want you to grow in your roles that God's given you this year as well. Hey, look, we've never had a parenting workshop here before, but we're going to this year. Why? Because I want to help people be better parents. I want you to grow in your knowledge of your role as a parent. Uh, and we're going to have folks from our own church that are going to be teaching some of those workshop sessions that are going to help you uh, to be a better parent because I want to grow and I want to help you grow in that area. The problem is oftentimes we, we're just content to stay where we are. This is not a year where we're going to be content to stay where we are. This is going to be a year where we're going to magnify Jesus Christ by growth. I want us to grow in obedience. Sometimes people want to talk about how they want to know more about the Bible, and, and, and trust me, you want to grow more in your understanding of the Bible, for sure. The problem is when you know more of the Bible, you now have no more, you know more that you're responsible for actually carrying out. Unfortunately, many Christians are educated far beyond their level of obedience. They know far more of the word than they actually obey. And so we're not getting knowledge for the sake of knowledge. We're getting knowledge so that we can be more obedient to the cause of Christ. Spiritual fruitfulness is always directly linked with obedience. So we want to grow in our obedience to the word. I want you to throw out of your vocabulary this word, this phrase, that's not really that big of a deal. Well, I know I watch shows that I shouldn't, but that's not really that big of a deal. I know I've got a foul mouth, but that's not really that big of a deal. I know I probably drink too much on occasion, but that's not really that big of a deal. That phrase should go out the window completely when we look at Christ-likeness and obedience. God doesn't grave, grade on a curve. He expects obedience. And when we don't obey, there's one word for that, and it's called, somebody help me, sin. Simple as that. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I choose not to, to obey it. It's sin. And so I want our church to grow in obedience. Now, at the end of the day, I do want our church to grow numerically. I don't know about you, but I was, I was super fired up that 365 people came together on Easter Sunday here at Hui Kala Baptist Church this, this past year. That's awesome. That, that, that's a record for our church, record attendance ever in the history of Hui Kala Baptist Church. And we should say, praise God for that tonight. No doubt about it. Please do not get me wrong what I'm about to say. But when you look at the fact that our city is home to 400,000 people just within the city limits here on an island of 1 million people, Lest we sit back and pat ourselves on the back for seeing 365 people in church, you need to understand that's not even one one-thousandth of a number of people on our island. So the idea is not just to, to grow numerically. 
Uh, the idea is not just to, to, uh, to, to fill this place up. The idea is to reach more people with the gospel of Christ. I pray that, that things would get so, uh, that God would pour out his blessing in such a way that maybe we would need to go to two services again this, this year. I don't like two services. It's twice as much work for me. We need twice as many volunteers to make it run. You get a church that splits up into to, two different groups. These people go to the 830. These people maybe go to the 1030. Uh, I don't like that, but here's the thing. I want to reach more people with the gospel this year than we did last year. The uh, number of salvations that, that we had this past year. Again, everything's not numbers. I, w- I want you to, under- to understand that from the get-go. The number of salvations that we had this year was probably one of the lower that we've had uh, in past years. But I was greatly encouraged that there were more people who received assurance of their salvation this year than ever before. Uh, and so you have folks that maybe have strayed away from their walk with Christ or maybe made a commitment to Christ earlier in life that are now coming back to that and realizing what it means. And I was encouraged by that part. But again, 75 people either got saved or got assurance of their salvation. We praise God for that, no doubt about it. But again, when we look at the idea of the responsibility that we've been given of stewarding the gospel here in our city, we've got a lot of work to do. I have no desire to pastor a large church. That's not where this whole thing's going, but I do believe that we live in a city where many people need to be reached with the gospel. I don't know if that means one day that we'll split who we call a Baptist church and plant another church out of it and send people over to that. I don't know that. I just know this, God's called us to this city and we need to be committed to reaching this city. And you might be saying, well, pastor, I'm just here for work or the military movement here. This isn't my city. While you're here, this is your city. You need to reach it with the gospel. We're stewards of the gospel. We need to manage it well. And we need to make sure that we're investing it in the right places and we're seeing a return on the investment that God's given us. Here's the important thing though. We can't grow in Christ-likeness, knowledge, obedience, or numerically if we are unhealthy. This is critical. Unhealthy things don't grow or they grow in a very unhealthy way. So this requires basically before we move any further into this year and talking about magnifying Jesus that we first of all do a, our own checkup individually. We need to have this conversation as a church. I've asked the Lord uh, 101 times before him, is everything right with me? Is everything right with our church? And at the end of the day, it's up to you to make sure that your life is right with the Lord. But we cannot, cannot grow if we're unhealthy as a church body, if there's sin in our church body, if there's division in our church body, if there's problems in our church body. We can't grow if we're unhealthy. First of all, it's gonna stunt our growth. It's gonna keep us from moving forward the way that we should. The psalmist tells us, if we regard iniquity in our heart that the Lord will not hear us, that if there's sin in our life that we're not willing to make right, I'm not talking about we make mistakes from time to time or we we slip and fall every now and then. I'm talking about open, wanton rebellion against God. The Bible says God doesn't even hear your prayers. And folks, we cannot afford to have people in our church that God has turned off his ear to. We just can't afford it. The Bible also tells us that God can do anything he wants to. That God could save at any moment that he wanted to, but he has turned his face from the children of Israel because of their sin. His ear's not heavy that it can't hear, but because of the children of Israel's sin, God has hid his face from them. Folks, we cannot afford as a church family for God to hide his face from us because of my sin, your sin, or anyone else in our church. We just can't afford it. This is a year where we're magnifying Jesus Christ. Sin in our life individually, sin in the life of our church will stunt our growth. 
But even worse, here's where I get really nervous as a pastor. If we're unhealthy and we try to grow, it'll only multiply the sickness. Think about this. If 50% of our church right now is struggling with sin, and we, let's just use for the sake of numbers, we have 200 people show up for church on a Sunday morning. We have a little bit more than that. We're averaging around 225 or so. But let's just say 200 to have a good even number. 50% of those are struggling with sin. We have 100 people that are struggling with sin and 100 people who are really trying to make it. Let's say we doubled our Sunday morning attendance. Wouldn't that be something? Man, we would, everyone would look at that and say, wow, what a blessing. What good would it do to double that number if now we have 200 people that are struggling with sin and 200 people that are trying to walk with God? You're only multiplying the sickness. And now we have more people in need It doesn't help anything. So before we move forward, we ask God to truly magnify Jesus Christ through our church family. We as a church family, first of all, have to pull over for a second and say, hey, is everything okay with my life? Is there any sin that's in me? Is there anything that I need to make right before we collectively together charge after this new year together? Am I gonna hold us back? I don't know about you guys, but I always hate being the, the weakest link on any team. Um, and I, as a, as a kid, I was always fairly big. I didn't move very fast. And so you pick me on the kickball team, I'm good because I, mean, I can send that kickball out to the outfield. Don't ask me to run very far. <laughs> Soccer, I was always the last kid picked <laughs> because I was so slow. Uh, I just wasn't a good team member. We can't afford to have any team members as a part of this family that don't produce and don't pull their weight that's not the way that the church works Uh, the bible even says paul when he was talking about giving he said it's not the goal that some people would carry the burden while other people would be eased the idea is that we all carry the burden collectively together that's the idea behind this my wife angela is in the nursery tonight She, she said i scheduled myself in the nursery because i didn't want anybody to miss tonight she says, uh, I think I have the heart of the pastor pretty well. And I would agree with that, she does. But you know what she said? She said, I want to do this because I don't want anybody else to miss out on what we got going on tonight. That's the idea that we have to shoulder the burden together. There were folks who had to miss open house Sunday because they were working the nursery. But you know what? They didn't complain. They didn't grind. We had two ladies that missed Christmas Eve service while everybody was in here singing and lighting candles and having a good time there and there watching babies because that was their way to serve. They didn't gripe, they didn't complain, they lovingly served Jesus. We need more of that attitude. And again, I'm not asking everybody to work in the nursery because uh, Lord knows I wouldn't want to work in the nursery, that's for sure. We don't allow guys to work in the nursery for a multitude of reasons. But all of us need to say, hey, what's my part? What do I need to do? How do I shoulder the burden together? It wouldn't do us any any good to have more selfish church members is filling up seats on a Sunday morning. That wouldn't help anybody at all. I mean, I praise God that the last year, our record-breaking attendance service that we had, we had probably 30 of our church members standing up along the back because they wanted to give up their seats so that someone else could sit and hear the word. That's the idea. That's what we want to go after. We don't want to multiply something that's unhealthy because we want to magnify Jesus this year. And you know what? Magnification doesn't make something appear. It just shows what's already there and it makes it obvious. Magnifying Jesus doesn't automatically take care of anything. It just shows what's already there. You put something under a microscope, it doesn't make something appear. It just shows you what's already there. And if God were to magnify what's in our church right now, what would he find? Would he find a great spirit of love? 
Would he, would he, if he magnified our church right now, would he see a, a serious dedication to the cause of Christ? If he magnified our church right now, would he see a, a massive love for the gospel? If he magnified our church right now, would he see a, an intense, fierce, loving community that was 110% sold out? I hope that that's what he would see. That's what I want him to see. That's what I want God to see when our lives are magnified. Would he see righteousness? Would he see holiness? Would he see people with a burning dissatisfaction and self-hatred towards our own sin? Or would he find people that are comfortable with sin? Would he find people that don't bat an eye at sin? Would he find selfishness, self-centeredness? If God magnified what was in our church right now, would he find hypocrisy, fake Christians? It's important to define terms. Hypocrisy is not uh, saying that you believe one thing and then messing up or make mistakes. We all do that. Hypocrisy, the word literally means to wear a mask. You know that you're a fake. And when you come to church, you put on a mask that, that hides or conceals who you really are inside. When you go home, you take that mask off and you continue to live the life that you want to live. That's a hypocrite. I've seen good Christian people quit on Jesus because they felt like they were being a hypocrite by falling into sin from time to time. All of us struggle with sin, every single one of us. A hypocrite, though, chooses to put on a show, chooses to be fake, and we can't afford that. And, and friend, if that's you tonight, please let me tell you this. Just repent and make it right with God. God loves to hear prayers where you say, God, I've been faking it for too long and I'm tired of it. Give me a real love for you. God, I don't read your word and haven't read it in six months because I just don't want to. You say, oh, would you pray a prayer? God already knows. You're not fooling him. The only person you're fooling is yourself. And friend, let me tell you this. I'm gonna say this with every bit of love that I have, but I want you to get it. If you're comfortable with your sin, you are unrepentant and you don't want to make it right with God. You just want to continue in your sin. And you're not willing to make it right. Know this, you're hurting this church. Because the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. One part of the body gets sick and infects the rest of the body. And friend, you're just hurting everyone else. And, and I've had that conversation eyeball to eyeball with people before. I had one guy tell me, well, it's fine, I'll just go to a different church then. <laughs> you are a roving cancer. You're gonna infect that body. Don't do it. Make things right with God. And I don't know what it is. And again, we have to throw out the phrase, it's not that big of a deal. Obedience to Christ is always a big deal. Sin is always a big deal. And the idea that God categorizes sins is a foolish notion. Now, certain sins are more destructive than others, for sure. Certain sins have different outward effects than they do, than, than other sins might. But God doesn't turn a blind eye to sin. And as a church family, we need to make sure that everyone is living right. And I can't police that for you. That's not the job of a pastor. It's the job of a pastor's shepherd and guide. I can't police that for you. I need you to be grown up enough that you can police yourself. 
I'm just telling you, if you could read the text messages and the emails that I get, it would hurt your heart. Um, I'm not, this is not a doom and gloom message. I'm just telling you, there are folks in our church right now that are spiritually sick. They're struggling against sin and they're losing. We got some folks that are fighting sin and they're on the winning side because they've chosen to fight it and never give up. We have other people who just thrown in the towel, given the devil the, the white flag and have laid down in their sin. And it hurts. People struggle with alcohol, drug abuse. People struggle with pornography, infidelity. And folks, we're talking about people, not Christians out there somewhere. We're talking about folks in our church family. And we need to step back and say, God, forgive us. We want to make it right. But people in our church struggling with anger, bitterness. I don't know of any gossip, but the second I get wind of it, I got two people sitting in front of me. But look, we can't be flippant about sin. Why are we having a six-week men's Bible study where we get together on the most inopportune time, a Saturday morning to sit down as guys and talk about stuff? Because there's guys that are struggling with sin and they're losing. And we can't just sit by and go, well, I hope they get it together one day. Well, I hope they show up to church on Sunday. Hey, brother, if you need anything, give me a call. No, 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 we need, we need to go a step further than that because that's just not working. And we can't be content with that any longer. And when God magnifies what's taking place in this church, I want him to magnify Jesus Christ. Again, this is not a doom and gloom message. This is a call to, first of all, repentance and holiness and righteousness. And this is a time to celebrate what God is doing. Man, Last year, 30 people got baptized. That's a record for our church. It's never happened in the history of our church where 30 people were baptized. And I'll quote this statistic often, but I want you to get it. Last year, the average Baptist church in America baptized two converts. That means for every church that baptized four, there was a church that baptized zero. For every church that baptized six, there were two churches that baptized zero. That's terrible. But the fact that we, little old us, would baptize 30 people, I think we say, praise God to that. We have a ton of folks that have signed up for discipleship already. Man, we're, we're three weeks out from starting discipleship. We've already got solid signups for that. People who say, I want to know the word more. Praise God for that. We, um, I was looking over the list of folks that are currently in discipleship right now. We've got probably 25 people that are still in discipleship right now from the last time around that are still working through it, and we got a strong sign up for the next time around. God's doing something special here. Let's not overlook that. But again, just the idea that we're just gonna sit back, show up every Sunday, and God just continues to bless, that's not a biblical idea at all. We have to seek God. We have to ask God. We have to pray that God would do something special. And when God does bring a wandering soul through the front doors of our church, we gotta make sure that we are ready like white on rice, to love that person with the love of Jesus Christ. How often do we do that, Pastor? Every single day until Jesus Christ returns. That's what this is about. Again, we're not talking about a flippant, sometimes Sunday morning commitment to Christ. No, we're moving past that. Some folks in our church, that's the best they can give. I'm gonna give two hours a week to the Lord on a Sunday morning. I'm thankful that they do it. But hey, folks, if we really want to magnify Jesus together this year, it cannot be a flippant, whenever it's convenient for me, attitude towards the things of God. Notice this is a 24-7, locked and loaded, hardcore disciple of Jesus Christ. 
And that means I have to be willing to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him daily. And man, is it going to be tough? Definitely. Is it going to be worth it? No doubt about it. Final thoughts here tonight. If we're going to magnify Jesus together as a church, first of all, we have to be fully persuaded. You got to really believe that this is the best path. You got to be fully persuaded that this is where God wants you. I always tell people, who we call is not the church for everybody. I get that. I wish it was, but it's just not. And if this is not the church for you, have that conversation with me and I will send you on with my blessing. I'll pray for you. and We can still be friends. But if this is the church for you, would you just jump in with both feet? Would you put down your roots here? Would you magnify Jesus together with us this year and say, I'm in, 100%. Hey, I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. You guys came through a torrential monsoon to be at church tonight, and two thumbs up for that. But again, it's more than just showing up. It's about magnifying Jesus. I gotta be fully persuaded in this. It's gonna require us to be wholeheartedly committed. Paul says that Christ would be magnified in my body. That phrase means with every fiber of my being, with all that I am, I want Jesus Christ to be magnified. It's gonna require commitment on our part. You know what we have to be committed to do? Love, pray, give, serve, invest. It's the core values of our church. You know why? Because it's the life of Jesus Christ. We commit to Christ's likeness. That's what it looks like. How do we as a church family carry out the Great Commission to go win, baptize, teach? We do it by loving, praying, giving, serving, and investing. I'm really good at that whole loving part. The the whole uh, investment thing's not really for me. Hey, I'm willing to serve if I need to, but I'm not really necessarily willing to give. Hey, I I think I got that whole giving thing down, but just don't ask me to love anybody. No, 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 no. It's a package deal. Christ-likeness doesn't come with qualifiers. I used to think that, uh, you know, when you take a look at the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the gift of mercy just wasn't my thing. God didn't wire me that way, you know? If you've ever filled out one of those spiritual gifts tests, you know, they ask you, you know, what do you do when you see a, a lonely cat on the side of the road? There was never an option to check swerve to hit it. You know, that was never an option there, you know? And they're trying to gauge, like, you know, do you pick the cat up and take it home with you and, and feed it and give it milk and let it sleep in your bed? And so, No, I don't do any of that stuff. I hate cats. Um, and so, and I believe the Lord hates cats. Uh, but... Uh, Okay, I just added that last part to see if you're still awake. But um, the idea I used to say, mercy's just not me. It's not how I was wired. You know, I'm more of a prophecy guy. Hey, here's what God says. You don't like it, tough. You know, I'm more of a teaching guy. I can break stuff down for you, help you understand. Mercy, not my thing. I'll give that to somebody else. My wife, merciful. Let her have it. But you know what I realized the more that I studied the Bible? This wasn't a, a list of criteria where we pick out what we're good at. That's easy. Anybody can do that. This is a list of criteria that embody the life of Christ. And God supernaturally gifts some people in some areas and other people's people, other areas people just have to die to self and stop being so stinking selfish. That was me. I'm not perfect at it. I still struggle with mercy, but I feel like I've grown in that area. I feel like God's given me the ability to stretch in that area. It's still hard for me, but I still try to hit that. You know why? Because it's Christ-likeness but it requires a wholehearted commitment. Next, we have to be forward thinking. 
Again, Paul's thinking in verse 20, he wants Christ to be magnified either in his body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul's already thinking, hey, if I die in prison, I want Jesus Christ to be magnified through my death. And again, I hope you were encouraged by tonight's video, but if you think that's the point where we sit back and go, whoo, 2019 was tough. We're gonna take a break this year. No. When do we get to take a break? When we get to heaven. When do we stop pushing forward? When we get to heaven. That's what Paul says. I strive towards the prize, which is what? The mark and the high calling of Jesus Christ. When I see Jesus, that's when I get to break the tape and we get to take a break. Until then, I'm gonna push forward. Why? Because I've chosen to magnify Jesus. So we have to be thinking not about where we've been, and we praise God for where we've been, but we continue to ask God, where is this thing going? And it'll make it really easy for you. Magnify Jesus. Every single thing that you're gonna get on that little calendar, every single bit of it was put on there so that we can magnify Jesus. We never one time put anything on the calendar here at the church. And I know when you get the calendar, you're gonna go, wow, this is a lot of stuff. Hey, you'd be surprised by the stuff that didn't make the calendar this year, right? Oh, man. We're not just trying to be busy. Again, we don't do discipleship on a Wednesday night because it's just like, hmm, what can we do to get folks to come out on a Wednesday night? We don't do stuff like that. We're not trying to make your life difficult. by Add more stuff that you feel like you need to be at. And again, when you get to the calendar, please understand, you don't have to be at everything that's on the calendar just because you call yourself a part of this church. I think we as, as families need to have wisdom as what should I be a part of? What Am I gonna have to take a pass on this time around? Because you can't do everything. But I do think we need to look forward this year and say, how am I gonna magnify Jesus in my life this year? How am I gonna magnify Jesus in my marriage this year? How am I gonna magnify Jesus in my kids this year? How am I gonna magnify Jesus amongst my church family this year? Who's somebody that I can get to be a part of this church family that they can magnify Jesus together with me? Who's some people I can bring along with me on this journey? I'm thankful that God's given me the ability to be a disciple of Christ, but who can I bring along this discipleship journey with this year so that we can magnify Christ together? And what would that do? Forward thinking. Next, when we magnify Jesus, we have to be kingdom focused. My priorities have to boil down to what is of eternal impact? And let me just tell you this, the kind of car you drive has little to no kingdom impact whatsoever. How nice your place is, little to no kingdom impact whatsoever. The way you spend your time, talent, and treasures is of ridiculous importance to the kingdom. And I wanna challenge you to be kingdom focused this year in every aspect of your life. I want you to think through, what can I do today to have an impact in eternity? You know, as I watched um, the video, Angela and I watched it together, man, probably three times together yesterday. And just, man, just, wow, look at what God did. Out of the folks who got saved at our church and the folks who got assurance of their salvation last year, was 75 people that we have on record of. 75 people are going to heaven and know that they're going to heaven now because of the work that we did together. That's big. That matters. Look, folks, 
people are going to be in heaven one day because of the stuff that we got to do together. Oh, man, that's as good as it gets. I don't, I don't know who's playing football today, and frankly, I don't care. But I know this. It has zero impact whatsoever on the, the kingdom. None. Does that mean you can't enjoy a football game? Please enjoy a football game. If that's your thing, please enjoy it. But don't do it at the expense of the kingdom. That's the issue. I want to challenge you this year to give sacrificially the way that God expects you to give. And so this requires us to be kingdom focused. And a lot of times, 99 times out of 100, to focus on the kingdom, I've got to recalibrate my priorities. I'll say that again, 99% of the time that I need to be kingdom focused, I'm going to cause me to recalibrate my priorities, what's really important to me. The, uh, we had lunch today with uh, Josh and Christy Boswell in the process of getting everything together so they can move back to Honolulu. Why? Because they love the weather here? No, because they love this church and they want to be a part of it. They've been away for almost two years now and struggled to really get plugged into a church somewhere and they want to grow. And so they prayed and asked God if he'd make a way. It looks like God's making a way for him to come back. Why are they doing that? Because they're kingdom focused and they want to be kingdom focused for their family. Their house in Florida, I'm sure, is bigger than anything that they'll ever possibly own here. They're within driving distance of a Chick-fil-A and a Waffle House. I mean, right there, just done, you know? Um, you'd say that they, they had arrived, right? But you know what? What it required? A little bit of recalibration from priorities because they wanted to be kingdom-focused. I love that. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways, too. I talked to Bill Pacana uh, two days ago on the phone. He said, Pastor, since my mom passed away, uh, try to get plugged back in the church, I'm struggling. And he goes, but I remember the place where I was growing the most was Huikala. And he said, I really want to come back. He said, I called my old boss and asked if, I, if there's any open positions. He said, there was. He says, I want to do everything I can to get back to Huikala because I feel like that's where God wants me to be. Man, awesome. I love to hear that. And he says, Pastor, I just want to come and go on outreach. I never got the opportunity to disciple somebody. I want to disciple somebody. I thought, man, praise God for that. We were talking at lunch today about all the people who have left Huikala uh, to go to places on the mainland and came back. The very first ones were, were men and Anton Smith. They, they left to go to Washington, and then just one, I think it was Christmas morning, they showed up. They said, oh, man, I didn't know you guys were going to be here. I said, how long are you going to stay? They said, forever. I said, oh, that's funny. How long are you guys really going to stay? And she says, we're staying forever, Pastor. I said, when are you guys going to move back? She said, we're already moved back. I was like, What? And guess what? They, have, they never left. You know what? They're discipling folks and they're leading s- small groups together and they're having folks in their home for home fellowship nights and things like that. And it's just like, yes. You know what they did? They recalibrated the priorities to be more kingdom focused. God honors that. He always does. Always does. If we're going to magnify Jesus here, we have to be soul conscious. I have to remember that every single person I see tomorrow has a soul and they will spend eternity somewhere. And I, I have the opportunity to change where they spend eternity. I have the answer. Will I sit on it? Will I keep it to myself? Will I be selfish with the gospel? Will I be self-conscious and so embarrassed about what people might think of me that I'm not gonna share life-saving information with another person? Oh, God, please help us if that ever comes to to, to us. We're so concerned about what people think of us that we would 
keep from people the life-changing power of the gospel. We gotta be so conscious. Every person that walks in that front door of our church is gonna spend eternity somewhere. This might be the only opportunity they'll ever have to hear the gospel or to see real deal people that love Jesus. And we gotta make an impact with that. I know some of you abhor, hate our handshaking time. I'm sorry for that. It's not gonna change, okay? Hate it for you. But I want you to look at it from a flip perspective of this is awkward for me. I don't like this. To look at it from this perspective of, hey, maybe here's a person who's never had a good church experience before. I wanna make them feel at home here. Hey, maybe here's a person who doesn't know Jesus Christ, but their coworker's been after him forever to come to church. Just try it once and see what you think. Talked to a lady today who said she'd been inviting her hairdresser to church and said her hairdresser didn't come to church because she'd had a bad experience before. Can you imagine if her hairdresser actually came, how excited she would be? But then if we didn't knock it out of the park to make that person feel loved and accepted, they'll say, see, all churches are the same anyways. No, no, no. That person's gonna spend eternity somewhere. This guy who came today, hey, how'd you hear about our church? My neighbor invited me. He told me who his neighbor was. Can you imagine working on your neighbor for so long, so long, so long, inviting them, inviting them, inviting them? And this guy had let his kids come a couple of times without him, and he finally came by himself with the kids today for himself. Can you imagine what it would be like if nobody spoke to that dude? Never talked to him, never asked him what his story was, never asked him what his background was, where he came from, anything like that. And he just came and left and says, ah, gave it a shot and it didn't work. Man, that's a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. We have to remember that. That's why every single Sunday we're gonna talk about the gospel, every single Sunday. And again, some people might feel awkward with the, at the end of the service asking people to raise their hand if they know for sure they're on their way to heaven. I need some way to tangibly see this is a person who is unsure of their eternal destination so that we can have that conversation. And here's the thing. I don't have to be the one to have the conversation. You're more than welcome to, to say, hey, did you grow up in church? Oh, no, I didn't really grow up in church. Man, uh, have you ever been to a church like this before? No, I've never been to church like this. Well, did you hear what the pastor said? Talk about how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. If you die today, are you sure you go to heaven? You can have that conversation. I give you 100% liberty to do that. I deputize you in the name of Jesus Christ to ask people about their eternal condition. Please do it. But you know what I love? When somebody makes it out to the sidewalk and I say, hey, I saw you didn't raise your hand today. Are you 100% sure if you died, you're on your way to heaven? They said, oh, no, so-and-so's already talked to me about that. Good. And one guy one time said, you're the third person to ask me that this morning. Good. And I said, I hope you don't take that as a bad thing. I hope you take it that we're really, really concerned that you end up at the right place. He goes, no, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. Good. You know what that is? So conscious. And we're not just so conscious on Sundays and Wednesdays. We're so conscious on Monday morning your coworker is going to spend eternity somewhere. The person at the drive-thru is going to spend eternity somewhere. The checkout lady at Long's that gives you the 12-foot receipt, she's going to spend eternity somewhere. Look, and again, I always tell people the same thing. Hey, I see you're busy right now, but when you get a second, would you read this? It's the most important thing you'll ever read. And I just leave a track there. That's, all, that's it. I'm just showing seed. Whatever the Lord does with that, that's up to him. I just got to do my part to be faithful. Soul conscious. That magnifies Jesus. That says everything in my life is about Jesus and I want more people to know him. 
Final thought here tonight, and we're done. We must, and I cannot stress this enough, we must be completely right with God. 100%. Top to bottom. I remember Angela and I were very young in our faith. We'd been sporadically attending church for a couple of months. And um, I remember the pastor had said something like, uh, you know, some folks just need to get right with God and things would turn around for him. And after the service, I went and asked him, I said, I've never heard that term before, right with God. Does that mean that one could be wrong with God? He said, yeah. I said, what does that mean exactly? That means that you have sin in your life that you haven't made right and that you continue the pattern of habitual sin. And I said, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And he said, are you right with God? And I said, well, by your definition, probably not. And he said, well, best thing in the world you can do is get right with God. Okay, that was it, in a conversation. And man, that stuck with me for a long time. And just kept going around and around in my head again and again and again and again. Get right with God, get right with God. You should probably get right with God. And I thought to myself, well, I don't want to be wrong with God. If I die today, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but would I stand before God ashamed with what I've done with my life? At that moment, I would have. I knew for sure that I was saved and that if I stood before God, he'd open up the book of life, my name would be found there, and he would say, say come on in, but I, I didn't know if he would say it with disappointment. And I'm telling you this, the thing that changed my life forever outside of my salvation was the idea that I would one day stand before a holy God and be disappointed with the way that I lived my life. And that shook me to the core that, oh, no, 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 I can't live like this. Oh, sure, I'm not going to hell, but the thought of disappointing my heavenly father with a wasted life, that never left me. And Angela and I made a decision from that point forward. We're gonna live a life that matters, that counts, that amounts to something one day, that we can stand before God one day and say, wasn't perfect, didn't bat a thousand, but I did my best every day. That's it. One of the best things that you can do for your church family is to be 100% right with God. You flip through the Old Testament, you read stories of one person who caused an entire army's downfall. One man's sin caused the death of tens of thousands of people. Man, would God really withhold his blessing from our church because of one person's sin? Absolutely, absolutely. Would God withhold his blessing from us because there were a few people in our church that weren't right with God? Definitely. Would there be further sin that would come into our church as a result of one person opening up the floodgates? No doubt about it, definitely. And we can't afford it. And so I'm gonna ask you tonight, are you right with God? If not, if you, if you, if you say no to that, would, I'm gonna ask you this question then. Would you get right with God tonight? Would you magnify Jesus together with me this year? If God were to put our church under a microscope seven days from now, would Jesus be magnified? If God put our church under a microscope six months from now, would Jesus be magnified even more? 
Would there come a day where God didn't even have to put us under a microscope that everything was so evident, so obvious that Christ was so magnified that anybody with half a brain would see that this is a place that lifts up Jesus above none else? That's what I want. That's what I want for you. I pray every single day that who we call a Baptist church would forever be a lighthouse to the gospel here in this city until the day that Jesus comes back. Every day I pray that prayer. But every day we have to live that prayer. Every day we have to be a lighthouse to the gospel. It's just not gonna happen by accident. Somebody's gotta do it. You know who's gotta do it? I do and you do. We can pray that Christ would be magnified in our church this year, but prayer without action doesn't equal anything. But the prayer, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that availeth much. People who are fully right with God, fully committed to God, fully kingdom focused, folks who have counted the cost and determined that Jesus is worth it. Man, that's where the good stuff happens. What does it take for you to magnify Christ this year? What does that look like in your life tonight? Think about that. Next seven days, how do I magnify Jesus? I'm gonna ask everybody in the next 12 months to show up one Saturday out of 52. One Saturday morning, 9.30 for community outreach. Everybody in our church. If you've never come, put it on your calendar. You have 52 weeks to figure it out. First of the month, first Saturday of the month, we always have a breakfast together. We always spend time in prayer. Every other week we grab a map and we just split. But would you magnify Jesus by just going out with us together? Some people feel awkward about hanging stuff on, on people's front doors and stuff like that. It works. People come to church because of it. But some, some people feel awkward about it. That's fine. You don't have to go to a neighborhood or hang stuff on people's front doors, but maybe you could just walk out to a bus stop with another brother or sister from our church and just say, hey, I see you're waiting for the bus here. Do you have a second? I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Hey, did you get one of these invites yet? Man, church right over across the way, you, you, you feel super welcome there. Change your life. I'm talking about together magnifying Jesus. Maybe there's some area of your life of sin that you need to make right. Maybe there's some priority that you need to realign tonight. I don't know what it is, but I know all of us have an area of growth this year. I want to challenge you to be fully committed to it. We could have, it's funny to say it this way, we could have a larger crowd by lowering the bar of entry. Think about that for a second. Come as you are, stay as you are, everybody welcome. 15-minute message on Sunday morning on 10 tips to live a better life, five ways to manage your finances. We could, have, we could draw a crowd with that by lowering the bar. We're not lowering the bar this year, we're raising the bar. And we're not raising the bar artificially. We're just raising it back to where it should have been all along. If any man will come after me, he'll deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. That's what it means to magnify Jesus. That's what we're gonna do this year. And look, at the end of the day, if marginally committed Christians who aren't willing to commit to walking with Jesus leave our church, I hate to say this, but I'm thankful that those who aren't willing to come after Christ would stop trying to fake it. I don't mean that in a bad way, in a negative way. I'm not trying to run people off from our church. I want everybody to come to a full, wholehearted commitment. But there have been folks who've left our church before because they feel like it's too much of a commitment. 
We're looking for a church that's a little bit easier on some things. Hey, if you're looking for easy, this, <laughs> if you're looking for easy, Christianity is not the path for you. If you're looking for fruitfulness and joy, Christianity is everything you've ever desired and so much more. Would you magnify Jesus with me this year? Man, it's, it's the beat of my heart. It's what I want for myself. It's what I want for my marriage. It's what I want for my kids. It's what I want for this church. It's what I want for our community. To magnify Jesus. I want to talk real to you tonight. This might be your last year to magnify Jesus. We had um, Jim Sablon. He and his wife attended our church. They live in Saipan. We're attending our church here for a while while they were here for medical treatment. Jim passed away unexpectedly this past fall out of the blue. And uh, his wife sent me an email and said, Jim had grown so much in his faith from coming to Huikala doing discipleship via Skype with one of our folks. Just over the top. When Jim left here, he gave me a hug. He said, I love you, Pastor. Can't wait to see you in December. December never came. But you know what Jim did? Through the end of his life and his death, he magnified Jesus. They got to have a memorial service telling people about the change that Jesus Christ had made in Jim's life. And Christ was magnified. Talked about this morning, Carlos Contrades. Magnified Jesus through his life and he magnified Jesus through his death. Hey, look, I hope all of us get to, to ring in 2075 together somewhere, right? I hope that happens. But if this is my year, I want to go out magnifying Jesus. But it requires that I live for him first and foremost. So I want to challenge you with that tonight. Serious message here tonight. Hard message, I would say. But I think Helpful. Most important thing in the world, if you're here tonight, you don't know for sure that you're saved. Jesus Christ died to give you eternal life, to pay for your sins. And if you're not sure that heaven's your home, please don't leave here without knowing that for sure tonight. Don't go based off the fact that you think you might make it or you might have prayed a prayer sometime. No, know for sure that your heaven is your home. Know for sure your sins are forgiven and magnify Jesus together with us. If you're saved and you know that you are, what is it going to take for you to magnify Jesus here? What needs to change in your life? What needs to be adjusted? What needs to be reprioritized so that Christ can be magnified like never before? Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.